Hello and welcome to this very special bonus episode of the Nourishing Soulfully podcast. Now I'm recording these little chatty bits on my own in December, on the 1st of December actually, Um, but this conversation was recorded back in September and it's a conversation with two of my intuitive eating clients who have completed intuitive eating coaching with me. I thought it was just such a fantastic conversation that I really wanted to put it out there for you to listen to. Um, We delve into dieting and how it has interfered with our lives and we also talk in huge great detail really about intuitive eating and um, both Maria and Fran's takes and perspectives on intuitive eating and how they found that journey from dieting to eating intuitively. Um, I would like to give a trigger warning. There is dieting and specific diets tried in the past spoken about in this episode. So if you know that this is going to be a trigger for you, um, I would pause this now and come back to it at a later date. So, um, In this episode, first we talk about the diets that um, all of us have tried in the past and the reason we go into this is it gives us a real insight into our previous relationship with food and how much mind space and time this takes up. Dieting causes a lot of inner turmoil, guilt, shame and comparison and diet culture can often convince us that we need to change and that food and exercise will help us to do that. What diet culture isn't mentioning is that there are over 100 factors which dictate our body shape and size and appearance and and that food and exercise are just two of those 100 factors. I would like to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to Maria and Fran for this conversation because I am sure it is going to help and support so many people. So thank you. Let's dive into this episode of the Nourishing Soulfully podcast. First off, I'd really like to have a chat about dieting. Um, So Maria and Fran, what kind of rules have you followed in the past when it comes to dieting? Um, I did, I tried to do no carbs, but ended up changing it to low carbs because I realized straight away that I actually can't function. Then I changed it to never eating carbs after 12. Yeah. Like lunchtime. I don't know why. Um, I've done low fat. Mm -hmm. I've done, um, only having no, I know. Oh, um, I did the um, special care one as well. So you have to eat it yes. for and lunch. That's awful. That's really bad. Um, I've done Slimming World, Weight Watchers. Um, and I've also done calorie mm-hmm. stuff with linked into my fitness pal to the extent where I had a fitness tracker watch, which I don't wear anymore. And... Um, I would literally eat the number of calories like that it said like to the to the like if it said like something and nine calories I'd make sure it was the and nine (laughs) maths I don't know um yes I don't think that's a rule is it but it's just like a but it's a bit of, yeah, but it kind of is. You probably set it as a rule because what would you if you was could you break that rule? No. I, would ne- I wouldn't have done. 
exactly so that's yeah. kind of how we know around food and eating if we're unsure whether there are rules or not if we ask if we ask ourselves like that thing that we're doing that behavior is it possible to fail or is it possible yeah. to break the rule or is it possible to do something wrong if the answer is yes um then we know that yeah that's yeah like it's it's a rule that we created around food um so i i did a lot of the similar ones as you did fran i did um weight watchers and slimming world um and but online because i was in spain um i did my fitness pal a lot um i with my with one of my best friends um she was my accountability buddy and gosh in our late teens and early 20s i'm sure she won't mind me sharing this um because she shared it on one of her lives a while back we we were obsessive we were just like we would weigh ourselves in the morning and mm. let each other know how much we weighed we would tell each other what we were eating throughout the day um we would take before and after pictures and send them to each other um and then obviously I did the whole like don't eat after a certain time yeah um only eat certain things for particular meals it's just and the mind space that it took up the brain power just yeah. to stay on track was incredible um Maria how about you what kind of rules did you follow um oh god well I did Slimming World years ago I definitely tried Weight Watchers um I definitely um I would say I was more of the in recent years more of the like wellness yeah uh that one really gets in oh it does it does and yeah. it's a really difficult one to unpick because there is actually there's lots of good stuff out there as well do you know what it's not I don't believe all wellness culture is diet culture like I don't believe all of it is but yeah so I was definitely very much about um trying to eat like very I'm vegan anyway um but yeah just like I should only have certain like certain foods at certain times and mm. you know I shouldn't have oil for example or things like that you know so yeah, yeah but you know definitely um more of the like you know and even things like trying to have like a smoothie for breakfast but like you know I just would I would want I need like it just never satisfied me do you know what I mean and I'd end up eating other things because I was still hungry or the other one is like intermittent intermittent fasting oh yeah I did that I forgot yeah. about that one Together, Fran, Maria and I looked at an inventory of how dieting interferes with one's life. And I have popped a printable copy of this inventory in the show notes in case you would like to go through it yourself. Here we've got an inventory of how dieting has interfered with your life. Um, and it really is interference because when we think about the way in which we are created, um, food isn't meant to interfere with our lives. And thinking about food isn't meant to interfere too much with our lives. We gen we can do it and learn relearn to do it intuitively. But when we are purposefully kind of restricting food or trying to eat only specific foods, it can really start to create problems and interfere with things. So um, 
On the physical symptoms, we've got weight gain, blunted metabolism, excessive cravings for carbs, bl blood sugar swings, disconnected from hunger cues, disconnected from, um, I can never say satiety cues, <laughs> ever. Always say fullness. Chronically tired even when sleeping well. Hair loss more than usual. If female, missed or inconsistent periods. Physical numbness, other. Um, Marie and Frank, can you see any there that kind of stick out to you of how dieting has interfered with your life in the past on the physical symptoms one? Um, definitely disconnect from hunger cues because I, I would just be literally like, it's not time to eat or I. I've eaten all my calories now and and I completely definitely for a good number of years didn't feel hungry I would just get angry or stressed yeah. not linking that that was why just because I was ignoring them I'd say for me I definitely yeah that kind of not like fullness cues particularly I would say just like eating what's on my plate you know rather than actually stopping when I'm full I still find that hard to be fair like I that's not it's not easy for me I love food <laughs> but Ed's like Maria I'm not it's my husband I'm not a bin because <laughs> I'm like do you want this he's like I can't just eat your leftovers like a dog <laughs> um but yeah, I would say probably, yeah, those ones. And, you know, maybe physical numbness as well. Yeah. I definitely feel like sometimes, you know, I've eaten food and sort of used it as a stress management tool and then, yeah, felt quite um, numb after it. Yeah. yeah. So next we've got social symptoms. Um, I eat differently when others are present. I compare my food to what others are eating in quantity and types of food. I worry about what people think about my eating. I worry about what people think about my body. I try to eat the same type and quantity of food that others are eating. I cancel social events because of the food or meals served. I avoid eating in social situations. My behavior and beliefs about my eating and body have interfered with relationships and other. Now, I personally can say that a huge majority of those um, I experienced in the past, a really huge majority, probably the only ones that I didn't would have been, um, I cancel social events or I avoid eating in social situations, but everything else I did and um, I probably would have eaten, but it, I definitely would have, wouldn't have eaten how I would have if I'd have been on my own. Um, do any stand out to you guys? I probably the same as you, Peter. I would say all all of the above, uh, apart from the social ones, actually. Because yeah, I'm the same, and I would go to the social event, but either take my own food or mm -hmm. eat beforehand. But I always used to hide that behind my food allergies. So I'd be like, and that's why I'm not eating. <laughs> Whereas really, it was just because I wouldn't know exactly how many calories that was or how many points or sins or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, 
next we've got psychological symptoms so i worry about eating i have strict rules about eating i count calories carbs or other factors about food i think of foods as good or bad i feel guilty if i eat bad food i have mood swings i'm afraid of feeling hungry i'm afraid of feeling too full i don't trust my body i'm afraid that if i start eating forbidden foods i won't stop eating i fantasize about foods i am preoccupied by thoughts about what i eat and don't eat and other now in my opinion, um, diet culture and the whole diet industry cr creates these psychological symptoms, mm. all of them, in the majority of people who have kind of um, consumed diet culture in the past or, or dieted in the past, because the whole idea is it's meant to take up a lot of your headspace. It's meant to psychologically get you really thinking. Um, and spending time focusing on that and, and spending your money as well on it. Um, mm. Do any stand out to you, Fran and Maria? Yeah. Yeah. In the past, all of them. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same for me in the past. And one of the things, like, I remember reading some, like, you know, intuitive eating Instagram person had shared a post where it was like, if you're thinking about eat food all the time, you need to eat more food. And it was like, you know, that is such a foreign idea to mm. most women. You're like, well, I'm thinking about food all the time because I'm a greedy pig that deserves to yeah. be punished. You That's know? the that we given, isn't it? But yeah, when you kind of learn to eat intuitively and you're practicing intuitive eating, you find that a lot of the time you're not thinking about food anymore. Yeah. Or if you are, yeah. you're kind of thinking it's not in the same kind of pressure, anxious way of, and kind of like, being really judgmental about it it's more kind of like oh I'm a bit peckish or oh I wonder what we'll have for dinner this evening it's not quite the like and I can't have that and if I, I need to have that I really want the crystal in the cupboard I really want the crystal in the cupboard why if I just have some now then I don't have to think about it again but then if I have some and it's this constant narrative of yes maybe I could have the crisps no I can't have the crisps but what if I had this instead or maybe if I have a glass of water and it's and it never stops until we yeah. eat because we're hungry <laughs> like it, we're built that way because we're hungry and our bodies and our brains are not created to willingly restrict food our, um, our brain doesn't realize that hang on a minute there's a there's a kitchen up there full of food um we're not doing it because we're trying to change our weight or our appearance or whatever it is um all our brain's thinking is must send this message over and over again to keep reminding them to look for food because obviously there's none around right now yeah we would have eaten if there was um and the final category here is behavioral symptoms so if i break a food rule i eat even more of it this is a big one um that we that we really find with dieting like well once we've broken the rule like once we've fallen off the bandwagon fuck it yeah breaking the rule it doesn't matter now I'll start again on Monday or I'll start again next month or whenever it is um if I eat too much I make up for it by skipping a meal or eating less food at the next meal even if I'm hungry I eat more food when I'm stressed I exercise only to burn calories or lose weight I talk a lot about dieting weight and food when I'm on vacation I ignore my food rules and eat more than I need no matter how full I feel mm. I engage in binge eating I avoid physical intimacy and other um 
and many of these really stand out to me and I still have depending on it's usually triggered by particular seasons um but I'll still have like these old little thought patterns that come up and I'm like oh I haven't I haven't heard you in years like you're interesting um and it'll be something like well you ate you had two lunches today so you can't have dinner and it might be like around summertime when previously I was dieting and I'm like oh I love I because now I love it like I I like hearing these things because it means I get to delve into it and understand it more and go where has this come from why do I feel like this like I was hungry that's why I had two lunches (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um do any kind of stand out to you guys of those yeah I mean, yeah. eating more food when stressed. Yes, I tend to go the other way when I'm stressed. But definitely the when I'm on holiday, ignore the rules and then breaking a food rule and then eating all of it. Um, and then the exercise thing I did with the fitness tracker thing with the my fitness pal. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I find that really useful to look at because it can really give us an idea of how dieting has taken up a lot of our time, our personal time, not just kind of how it affects us um, as a collective, but actually individually how it's affected each one of us. If you're interested in looking into how dieting can be dangerous and the risks of dieting, I have made a workshop which is usually only available for members of the Nourishing Soulfully Club. It's currently available to all soulful nourishers for December only and you can find the link to this in the show notes. In this next part of my chat with Maria and Fran, we speak about what intuitive eating is and what it entails. And both Maria and Fran give their perspectives on it and and how they experienced it themselves. We're going to look at what intuitive eating is. So we've all done it before and it's how we first learned to eat. Um, And we would cry as babies if we were hungry and then we would be fed and we honoured our hunger signals because we would pull away when we were full. Um, and we all know that you can't make a baby have any more milk than it wants to have. Um, cause it, the same with toddlers, you can't like, once they decide that the aeroplane, they do not want the aeroplane anymore. That's it. They're done. And you can't make the meat. So our hunger and fullness cues start to kind of get disrupted when well-meaning adults. And that's really important that we remember that very well-meaning adults doing the very best they can in our lives told us to eat a bit more no we couldn't have a snack now tea will be ready soon or just eat just one more bite just one more bite and then you can go and play or you can't if you don't finish that you're not having dessert they were doing what they thought was the very best at that time um and it's that kind of they they were nurturing they were caring for that child and they didn't want that child to go hungry that child being you but unintentionally it then affects our hunger and fullness cues massively because we learn not to rely on and often what we find is those voices that we heard we then they then come out of us when we speak to children um, whether they're our own children or whether we work with them I it's come out of me before and I've gone come on one more bite of your sandwich and then you can go out and play and I'm like (gasps) 
no, sorry, Miss Poop got that wrong then. No more bites of your sandwich. <laughs> you full? Are you sure you're full? Can you show me where you're full? And they'll be like, I'm full up to here, Miss Coop. Good, okay, okay. <laughs> get hungry later, remember to tell me. But it just, it comes out because it's the voices that we heard and that's how we're shown to care for a child when we're little. Um, a lot of the things that we then, that then come out of our mouths as we're older, we kind of follow that example that we were given as children. Um, but we can rectify it and we can kind of go, oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to say that. What I meant to say was, if you're sure that you are full and you don't want to eat any more, even if it's not that sandwich, if it's something else, then absolutely go out and play. And if you get hungry later, just let me know. So intuitive eating is a compassionate self-care eating framework and it treats all bodies with dignity and respect. It's all about trust trusting your body to send signals of hunger and fullness um, and satisfaction and all of the tastes and textures and, and everything that food kind of involves. So eating intuitively relies on interceptive awareness and this is our awareness of signals our body sends us so such as needing to go for a wee and I recently shared a post on Instagram stories asking um, if you've ever said any of the following so no way, I peed so much yesterday. So today I'm going to go, only going to pee once. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe how much I peed today. I'm so disgusting. I can't possibly need to pee again. Maybe I should just chew some more gum. How come everyone else can get this peeing thing right, but not me? What's wrong with me? But those things don't come out of our mouths. We don't say them. We just trust that our body knows what it's doing. And we trust that there's a reason for it. But yet, I'm sure most people listening will have thought, I can't be hungry again. I ate only however long ago it was. If you're hungry, you're hungry. You just are. Eat. Yeah. If you're hungry, you are hungry. We have natural instincts like all animals. And animals know how much to eat and when to eat. And I'm not saying that you know this immediately now, because if you have dieted in the past, it will have messed up those hunger and fullness signals it will have messed up a lot of those eating behaviors and so it's all about undoing that and unpicking that so that you can return to eating intuitively um and it's it is instinctual it is there within us um so i found that with intuitive eating self-kindness comes hand in hand when we are kind and compassionate towards ourselves and understand our emotional eating um, and empower ourselves to, at times, find alternatives that aren't food, which better so soothe us and, and serve us, um, we make better choices around our health as well. So there are 10 principles to intuitive eating. We've got reject the diet mentality, understanding why diets won't work in terms of weight loss and delving into and understanding your own experiences of dieting, recognizing diet mentality, so the rules, the justification, if I do this, then I can eat this. This is where a lot of work is done. When I work with one-to-one -one clients, generally we spend quite a bit of time on reject the diet mentality because we're trying to understand where it's all come from. Um, Maria and Fran, how would you say looking at that first principle of rejecting the diet mentality kind of served you in your journeys and in intuitive eating? Um, I would say that 
it's well it's I mean I know it's the first principle so obviously it's intended to be foundational but it definitely is and I uh, you know and it's that kind of like not seeing different things but seeing the same things differently yeah you know because it's you just it does make you look at the world in a completely different way and I think part of that is maybe processing a bit of anger or upset yeah why you know and then you're like you go to work and you know god everybody's on a diet and body shaming themselves and you're yeah but it's but it's really important that you identify you know when it's present in you because it's um you've you've got to want something better for yourself yeah yeah I was um I might have got this squidged together with another rule because I can't remember all 10 but I was still really struggle now with people saying like this is good food and this is bad food mm. and that's this thing that still really annoys me when people say it out loud so oh, I, it's me Fran yeah I have to just take three deep breaths and then and it's it's all about choosing your battles as well. Have yeah, you got enough energy. Yeah, I to don't talk <laughs> about what that means. Yeah, and is that person in a place where they are willing to be open minded enough to listen to it, or actually, is it a waste of energy and a waste of your time because they're just not there yet? They're not at a yeah. point where they can see that there aren't good foods and bad foods. That all foods are equal. Mm-hmm absolutely (laughs) so number two is all about honoring your hunger principle number two and as we kind of spoke about before diet culture kind of teaches us that just have a cup of coffee or chew some gum or brush your teeth or paint your nails um and go to bed early if you're hungry um and this affects our body's natural kind of hunger cues so they become less reliable one of my big ones was go to bed if you're hungry And I would inevitably, one o'clock in the morning, I would be up eating a bowl of cereal. Like, pretty much most nights. (laughs) Because guess what? I was really hungry. I was too hungry to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd either have a bowl of cereal or a piece of toast. And actually, it probably would have served me a lot better to eat when I was hungry before, rather than going to bed early and just thinking that I'd be able to sleep through it. Um. So unfortunately, over time, when we do this, our body will stop sending the signals because we're not responding. And we can often ignore hunger signals, such as not being able to focus, having dull headaches, low energy, getting hangry, getting anxious, our stomach grumbling, feeling weak. Have Can you remember ever ignoring hunger signals or like do any come to mind? I would ignore them. I ignored them previously to the extent where they just disappeared and I didn't ever feel hungry yeah. uh, but like I said before I just would get really angry and then be like oh when did I eat but I still didn't feel hungry yeah. I'd just be like I don't even know why I'm angry there's no reason to be angry oh I, I think I must be hungry yeah. and then I would have some food yeah. and that's that's really common mm. um very common for hunger signals just to completely disappear mm. and it's because we've told our brain that many times we've ignored the hunger signal that many times yeah that it's just like there's no point like what's the point in sending this signal 
they're not going to listen. Um, a way that we can, a way that I usually use with one-to-one -one clients in resetting hunger signals is by asking them to eat three meals and two snacks a day, pretty much around the same time every single day for a couple of weeks. What that does, our, luckily our bodies are really good mm. at kind of tuning back into hunger signals once we start eating regularly. It just takes time. Um, and have you got hunger signals now, Fran? Yes. I'm sorry, that was, <laughs> that was a very definite yes, wasn't it? No, I, I really do. And I also figured out through tuning into them that I'm more hungry at the start of the day. And I really like to chill out and like get my pyjamas. I've got my pyjamas on. Sorry. I don't think you can Why? tell. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> um, so I'm in my pyjamas like always... As yeah. soon as I come home from work, I'll have a shower, put my pyjamas on, and I'm already starting to chill out. So I have to have my evening meal before six o'clock, because otherwise I'm getting into bed and I'm still feeling too full to like sleep. But I didn't, I didn't figure that out until like this time last year when I just finished working with you. And like this morning, I had two breakfasts just because I was waiting for my porridge to cool down, but I was so hungry. I was like, oh, I'm a nine. I need a crumpet. <laughs> so I just had a crumpet whilst I was waiting for my porridge to cool down. <laughs> and previously, I would never have done that. Yeah. I would have just been absolutely starving or burnt my mouth eating the porridge. So, and I still ate the crumpet and ate all the porridge. I was just really hungry. Yeah, So absolutely. <laughs> and I will often have, if I've, my biggest downfall is new routines. Mm. I'm a time optimist I think I can fit so much in and I, that's just it's the way my brain is wired and I'm great with routines which are established I am horrendous which with routines and new stuff coming along that I do not know about and so I have snacks in the house and in my car and in my bag which are just like should things go awry and you do get hungry and your timing is completely off there is food um, and so I will at the moment because we've been rowing a lot in the evenings unfortunately rowers do not stick to times they they do not they're like yeah we'll go out for an hour two and a half hours later you come back in and I'm just like I'm so hungry <laughs> I am so hungry so um it's fine like I know that we're all taught like don't you don't want to spoil your dinner do mm. you but the problem is if we then wait even if it's half an hour 45 minutes when we do eat we have dropped below a certain point and i'm going to show you the hunger scale in a bit where we then cannot make any decisions in terms of what we feel like eating how much we would like to eat what we're eating if we enjoy it or not we literally just go into starvation mode of i must eat i will eat it all now and so we've we've saved like we've been like it's okay I'll save myself I won't I don't want to eat anything I won't have you know like in a restaurant where people are like oh no I'm not going to have a bread roll even though I really fancy it because I want to really enjoy my dinner but the problem is we don't really enjoy it because we're just so hungry and we just want to get it in us um, and so it's usually better if you're really hungry and your dinner's still cooking have a little mm -hmm. snack I usually have like nachos and guacamole or a pit and hummus and then yeah maybe you're not going to eat as much but you're still going to enjoy your meal you're not going to eat to the point of fullness of your snack and if you do then 
save it to later but allow yourself give yourself permission like you can absolutely do that I often have two breakfasts as well Fran I am as you know I am ever <laughs> I will always recommend two breakfasts because I love two breakfasts um how about you Maria how have you found that kind of honoring your hunger yeah I think um me I'm more of a more issue on the uh, honoring your fullness like that's definitely I'm on that side um yeah so I think like battling physical hunger and not wanting to be hungry but being hungry and not really understanding hunger and like it being like going to the shop on my way from work and eating stuff like crisps in the car and then promising myself I'll diet tomorrow and then you know overeating that night it, it, it was more that kind of behavior because I wouldn't be like oh I'm just hungry what do you know and also it's like it's what foods fill me up yeah mm. like I find that what fills my husband up and what fills me up do not look the same no and you know it, that's an adjustment you know like it is and it, it absolutely is because you're then there's an element of comparison there there is an element of the other person noticing and questioning yeah um, and it, it takes a while <laughs> yeah to get used to and women's bodies are different like we need different things like I don't you know yeah so it's not about the specific foods but it is about me learning like what really satisfies me and what actually doesn't really satisfy me do you know what I mean so yeah I think um it's yeah it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting one for sure it is and it's interesting as well when we're hungry how much we don't realize it's hunger that's playing a massive role in the way that we're thinking and acting and the things that we're doing. I remember I'd been so unwell. Um, it was years and years ago, it was before I started eating intuitively. Um, but I'd been really, really unwell and I hadn't eaten um, due to um, my illness, not due to dieting, but I hadn't eaten for like two weeks and I'd been in hospital and then I'd finally kind of been given the all clear for eating. And I went shopping and I was able to, I tried to eat toast and I was able to hold down toast. And I was like, right, tomorrow, then I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to get an actual food shop in. Um, and I went crazy. <laughs> I got to the checkout. Now I didn't have, I, I would never go crazy on food shopping because I didn't have very much money to spend. I got to the checkout and she was like 350 euros, please. And I was just like, no <laughs> no I can't, I, what and she was like yeah 350 euros and I was like no <laughs> no and I was just like I I looked at all of, I had so much food I was so hungry so so hungry but it just goes to show like to the point in which like it it takes over our brain like we will make different decisions if I had eaten and then gone shopping and bearing in mind like this is a really I know that most people aren't going to have experienced this to that extreme it was because I'd been unwell um but you know it it really shows that we think we're in control we think that we're making 
decisions which are really level-headed sensible decisions but when we're hungry past that point of being able to kind of make those decisions it affects all areas not just eating and food but it can really affect other decisions that we're making as well because we lose a lot of our rationale we just like we just need to eat um and so things are hurried up and like we we rush decisions we rush things we rush people making decisions and like just finish them eating already because <laughs> I'm hungry and we agree to things as well like for example we might be in a meeting and someone might if we're really hungry and they might be like um right will anybody do this no one's saying they will and they're like, they'll like point at you and go will you do this are you and we, we want the meeting to end like yeah okay I'll do it I will do it if it means this meeting ends um we do things which maybe we wouldn't do if we we're kind of honoring those hunger cues um, because we're in a different mind space. So our third principle is about making peace with food. And this is giving ourselves that unconditional permission to eat. And this is the one I get so much kickback from clients on. I'm like, I just need you to eat. I, I just need you to eat whatever you want to eat. Mm. And usually I'm met with, no, because I'm going to eat everything in the kitchen. You're not. Yeah. But I, can I just say it works? Yeah. Like I had to eat so much non-vegan yes, and milk chocolate, which I hadn't had for years. And it didn't even take that long. And like at work, all those like cakes that I used to look at and go, God, if I, if I, if only I was allowed to have that. And I don't want, you know, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat dairy, you know, for I, you know, and I have very strong reasons for that, but I had to like, I had to test it, you know, and it really does. It really, and it feels like it's the scariest thing ever. Like that is like, it's so frightening. Cause you're like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to put on 10 stone <laughs> in a week. I'm going to eat all of the chocolate in Sheffield. You know what I mean? I was just, Oh, yeah. we, build, we build it up, don't we? We really do. We really Brand, do. How did you find it when you gave yourself unconditional permission to eat? I ate all the crisps yeah. um, yes, I remember in the world, that. it felt like. <laughs> because, um, and I was buying like massive family bags and then just eating them all, like one a day for probably... I don't know a couple of weeks um because I had a massive thing in my head where I wouldn't eat crisps or drink wine in the school during term time but then in half term and Easter and holidays I would just eat all the crisps and drink all the wine so then I was like well I'm probably having the same amount but just condensed into a week which I don't think is great for your body processing all that but I just for two solid weeks I ate all the crisps um, and now I have three different varieties of like multi-pack bags in the utility room and they will probably last me well over a month whereas before I would never have been able to do that I'd have been like well they're in the house it's not my fault I'm just gonna eat them all. <laughs> or I would feel like I would eat them all so then I wouldn't yeah. eat any of them and I just wouldn't ever buy them mm. whereas now I can just be like Oh, I love salt because I do. Because why wouldn't you? I love salt and vinegar squares. Mm. So good. Mm. So I had some for my lunch today. Oh, yum. Um, at work, 
which is another big thing because previously I would have said that's a bad food so I'm not going to eat that in front of other people <laughs> it's um, really really interesting thank you both for sharing those accounts because it's definitely going to help others feel like I'm not just setting them up for failure if they would like to try that but so it, can I also add just a tiny thing mm. that like I would I say I would say that my diet has probably got more as it's got more intuitive and I, I and I still have all of like you know like I still eat all of the thing like I, there's not you know there's no rules you know it's I eat everything that I want to eat but I would say that I do reach more for things that actually make me feel good make me yeah. feel satisfied so even though it sounds like oh we're just going crazy <laughs> like nom, nom, nom. yeah okay but that's just like that's just one bit of the process like it's yeah. not the, yeah and it's it actually to what yeah like between between a couple of days and two weeks usually and it's literally mm. you just give yourself full permission to eat whatever you want the longer you kick back about it the, the more times that you kind of go okay I'm gonna give myself full permission and then the next day you're like I can't no I'm not gonna give my I can't trust myself the longer it takes yeah. but when you give yourself that full permission it, you're basically just eating through the rule and then once yeah. you've eaten through it for some reason it just works and you just it, there's no longer it just doesn't hold importance um for me it was chocolate oh my goodness I could not have chocolate in the house without eating it it wasn't possible for me um and now I mean upstairs I show it on Instagram quite a lot there's still bars of chocolate and stuff I got for Easter and it's September <laughs> like it just it's not a thing anymore and it becomes not a thing by giving yourself full permission to eat it um you just you, you're not feeding into that anymore so um within that kind of principle as well we look at the labels of food when you give yourself mm. full permission to eat you're letting go as well of the labels of healthy and unhealthy or good and bad and then changing that to just exactly what it is it is a piece of cake it is a piece of cheese it's bread it's it's just whatever it is Principle four is challenging the food police. And again, it's challenging the idea of good and bad foods and the idea that the perfect diet is going to work for you. If you just keep looking, if you just keep trying, mm -hmm. you're going to find one that does. Um, and principle five is one of my favourites, which is discover the satisfaction factor. And it's all about creating enjoyment around food, trying new meals and snacks, um, experimenting with food, learning which foods satisfy you and make you feel like your best self. Um, and it's about remembering as well that not all meals and snacks are going to be perfect in terms of fullness or satisfaction, but it's bringing in that satisfaction factor wherever possible. So it's also like when possible, finding time to sit down and like have a little nice napkin or light a candle or put yeah. some music on. Just make it really lovely for yourself, even if you're the only one in the house. Um, number six is all about feeling your fullness. So it's honoring fullness. Um, and in, and in order to do that, we must trust our body and cat and mm -hmm. honor what we fancy eating. And we then check in throughout eating to check how full we are and stop when we are satisfied. Um, and we learn not to eat your uncomfortable fullness. And then seven is coping with your emotions with kindness. So it's understanding that 
why we stress eat um, and why we engage in emotional eating with kindness and acknowledging that sometimes there is nothing available to us but food to soothe us and so it might not be because we're upset it might be because we're stressed or anxious it might be because we're excited I am like the first thing that comes to mind when I get excited is food I'm such an excited eater I'm just like this is brilliant news that's so exciting let's have cake (laughs) (laughs) it's just how I like celebration um but actually, sometimes, sometimes there are things that will greater soothe us more long term. Um, and this is something that kind of we look at with a lot of self-kindness because we kind of focus on, right, when I'm feeling like this, I tend to reach for food. But actually, like looking back, I could pick up the phone and speak to a friend or I could journal or I could it's because I'm bored and I need to get moving and I need to go out for a walk and I'm restless or there's different things that we can do which actually long term better soothe us because sometimes when we emotionally eat and it's the only thing available to us it just works it just soothes us it just feels really good it's what we need to do but sometimes when we emotionally eat we can feel numb and empty afterwards and just like do you know what it worked for a couple of minutes but now I feel awful again or I feel even worse um, and that's where we need to be looking at other things that can better serve us again not non-judgmentally like not like well I shouldn't have done that you're collecting data about yourself when it comes to intuitive eating and that's really important you can't fail at it there's no failure here it's only noticing being really aware of um your behaviors around food what's going on and then having to think about would something better serve me next time if this were to happen um fran maria how did you find that kind of coping with your emotions with kindness part of intuitive eating it's the daily work Mm, yeah you know and like i'm a very i'm a i am a very self-aware person and yeah just having a balancing act (laughs) it really is yeah and learning to just be Mm. kind to myself yeah yeah so principle eight is respect your body and it's near on impossible to reject diet mentality if we are unrealistic and overly critical about our body size or shape so this is why i try and share so much content um online around what normal bodies look like because goodness me if we believed what the media would like us to believe um, about women's bodies then we we would just be seriously seriously messed up on that not on the mouse but on bodies I don't is it there was a picture is it Kendall Jenner wearing like some kind of string bikini where she literally did not have a vagina and I'm like, so I'm not allowed a vagina now. <laughs> oh, and I mean, if when we really start looking into this and you mm. kind of start really focusing on, oh, hang on a minute, like, let me analyze this photo and look at what is photoshopped. We realize mm. that it's, they're not showing us real bodies. But unfortunately, what our mind does is the more we see photoshopped images, the more it kind of becomes normal in our mind and then the more that we think we're not normal 
when it's the other way around. It's not normal, like you said, it's not normal <laughs> not to have a vagina. It's also not normal, like not to have, if we didn't have rolls of skin, we, when we sit down, we wouldn't be able to stand up straight. <laughs> so as, it wouldn't happen, like it physically couldn't happen. But they do it with knees as well, don't they? They make them like not have a kneecap. Yeah. Like, okay, all the best with bending down. <laughs> so, um, number nine is movement and feel the difference and it's all about moving our body in ways that feel good which don't revolve around punishment or an intention to change our body so it's about trying different movements and finding what you enjoy so I personally cannot stand the gym because for me it is purely related to dieting mm-hmm. and trying to sculpt my body to be a different way I really really enjoy outdoor activities um, and I don't tend to the activities that I do and enjoy I'm never thinking about what that means in terms of appearance and so I don't partake in any that maybe I used to do that did or I won't do any kind of sport or movement that I don't like ever I just won't do it because I don't like it it's not enjoyable for me Um, and therefore I won't do it for very long I'll get annoyed and I'll give up um and so I'm now I'm really trying to because I haven't been to a gym in a long time um and I'm at a point now where with rowing because I'm going to be entering championships I've got to start training on rowing machines in the winter in order to submit my times to the captain and I'm like well I it really I was like I don't want to do that and I really had to work through it and journal on it in my mind, like really work through it. Like, what is, why don't I want to do it? And I, for me, the gym was a place where I'd go to punish myself. Whereas actually my intention isn't to do that with this. My intention is I'm going because I need to up my technique on the rowing machine and up my fitness levels in order to be able to row fast enough to get into the cruise I want to get in to go to the championships I want to go to because I really love rowing because for me why do I like rowing because I get out I get on the water anything to do with the water is like my my favorite thing ever Mm. but also I if I'm not focused if I'm thinking about anything in the slightest that's it blade angle goes off timing goes off it all goes to pot Mm. it's so mindful I can't not be really mindful it's a re- for me it's the same as meditation whereas like I've got to be focusing on every tiny thing there's no way I can be worried about something there's no way I can be anxious about something because I've got to be present and I've got to be in the moment and so it's figuring these things out there are going to be certain things that may be movement wise as you're on this journey were related to dieting in the past or um getting fit or, or whatever you kind of use the words that you used and sometimes we have to untangle it if we kind of want to go Mm. there again or want to do it again like why what was the intention and usually it boils down to an intention like Mm. what was the intention before so you might think I'd really like to start running again but I used to run to lose weight and to look a certain way and I Mm. didn't like it okay what was your intention it was to run and lose weight why do you fancy doing it again because 
actually I think it would be it's a really accessible thing for me to do it's something that I can do easily and I'd quite like to run and listen to podcasts or I'd quite like to run and listen to like a really high vibe playlist um, and I think it's going to make me feel really good okay well that's a totally different intention mm. give it a go see what comes of it um and like in the book, in the workbook, there's um, a really interesting activity where it gives so many different activities. I was working through it the other day with someone. And they're like rock climbing. <laughs> like maybe you could, <laughs> um, but it just gives so many different ones that we don't think of. We kind of just go to the same things like run, go to the gym. That's about it. When we think of exercise and, and fitness classes and CrossFit. Um, I was asked if I'd go to CrossFit not long ago and I was like no (laughs) no no thank you I will do yoga at home again and it's and it's finding the thing that works for you in terms of so I like a yoga class but in front of others I tend to push myself further than I can go some days when I'm at home won't even won't even try to do that wouldn't even occur to me I'd be like this is how far I can go end of I like yoga at home because I can have a cup of tea next to me I can light a candle it's just really nice and when I'm done I'm done and I'm home but for some people a yoga class won't mean that a yoga class will mean someone helping them with their stretches someone making sure that they're in the right position I'm lucky because i studied to be a yoga teacher so I know when I'm in the right position and I know when I'm not in the right position but there are always pros and cons and again it's about weighing it up and having a look at intentions around movement um ladies have you got anything to add around movement I love being outside as well um I used to do the whole I'm going to run 10k because then I get 500 extra calories to eat um I only run for enjoyment now and for the last two months I've only run well no less than that whenever park runs started back in England anyway that's when I started regularly running again because there's so many other things that I've tried and loved stand-up paddleboarding cycling swimming swimming in the sea wild swimming um and I want to do all of those things And I don't want it to be like, you have to do it at this time on this date, which is why I'm holding back from joining the stand-up paddleboarding club, because then it's like, you can only do it on a Wednesday between five and 7.30. Whereas I'd want to just take the paddleboard to a river or the sea or whatever. So I think, because I've gone from it being so structured I used to be head of PE as well like four years ago I stopped doing that so I've gone from this most structured routine kind of exercise to now I'm just like I'll just wake up and what do I fancy doing today uh, which is much better that's wonderful that's wonderful thank you for sharing that fan um so the final principle is really important but it is the final principle because if we were to do this one first or anywhere in between we would then turn intuitive eating into rules and a a way of dieting Um, and it is gentle nutrition 
And so gentle nutrition is all about making food choices that honor our health, what we feel like eating, what makes us feel good, what makes us feel really vibrant and full of energy, what, um, what kind of sustains us. And we're really thinking about the foods. But if this is done any, at any point before then, we turn it into a diet because that's what we're used to looking at food as. So up until this point, we're looking at how food makes us feel, how we act around food, um, our behaviours around food, but we're not particularly looking at the food choices. We're only looking about at, like how it's making us feel, but we're not kind of um, controlling the food choices until this point. And then when we get to gentle nutrition, it's all about having a bit of a think about foods um and what makes you feel like your best self basically mm. um so those are the principles and in this topic we're also looking at eating mindfully and surely it's just a matter of putting food in your mouth chewing it and swallowing right <laughs> but it's not quite so easy have you ever had um a packet of crisps open and put your hand in and you grab fistful you eat some and then before you know it, you're watching tv and you put your hand back in there's none left and you're like what where's that gone we don't when we eat mindlessly we don't register we don't register much of the taste we don't register our fullness and we definitely don't register how much we're eating either and so it can mean that we eat a bag of crisps and if we'd been eating mindfully, we'd feel pretty satisfied and full. But because we hadn't been registering, because our mind was on something else, we're still hungry after we've eaten the bag of crisps. And so we eat again, but then we get really uncomfortably full. And it's just because we, we haven't been mindful about it and nothing is adding up in terms of our body and our brain kind of getting together and having a bit of a chat. So when we eat mindfully, um meal and snack times become an experience rather than something we feel we have to do um and we save and we enjoy food and we often stay fuller for longer um because we're conscious about what we've eaten and how satisfied we are um and it's all about kind of asking yourself am i hungry beforehand we can often confuse hunger like i said before physical hunger and emotional hunger um and then trying our best to eat distraction free when possible it's not always possible but when it is again if you're if you have to decide between eating now when you're hungry but with the tv on with whilst working while, whilst doing whatever you're doing with distractions present or not eating and you're hungry always choose to eat you can't eat mindfully every single time. You're not gonna nail it every single time because we lead very busy lives. But whenever possible, try to eat distractions free. At least try to stop if you can, whatever you're doing. Choose to eat something yummy. You're taking the time to care for yourself, to nourish your body, to fuel yourself. So make it delicious. And you're gonna feel more motivated to eat mindfully if you want to eat the food that's on your plate. And kind of, what I like to do, you might not like to do it, is kind of in my mind, think about how would Nigella describe this? Because it slows me right down. Like, what would she say about this meal? How would she describe the textures and the flavors and the taste? Um, and where possible, what can be very useful for slowing down is downing your knife or fork or your spoon between bites. And it just gets us into the habit of eating a little bit slower. Um, 
and then chewing those foods. So we savour those flavours and the texture and the goodness when we chew our food. But usually if we're chewing like two chews and then swallowing, we're probably not savouring very much. We're probably just trying to eat quickly so that we can get on with the rest of our day. Um, please don't expect to eat intuitively within a week or within the information provided. This is going to start you on that journey. Um, it's going to give you kind of a place to start from. But Maria and Fran, how much time and patience and effort does it take? All of it. <laughs> yeah. And it's ongoing. I found the summer yeah. quite hard. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. being on holiday, being out of routines, all of that, like so much stuff came back up, you know. Um, and I expect it's probably going to be like that for. And it does. Yeah. It does. It comes back up and we have to, we've got the tools to deal with it. We know what we've got to do now to kind of work through that. Mm -hmm. And then we're back in the driving seat again with intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. But it has to, it has to, we need these things to keep coming up in order for us to work through them. Mm -hmm. um, but sure. I wish... I wish there was a magic wand to wave and then everybody could just have a healthy relationship with food, but it takes so much time, doesn't it? And sometimes it does take that kind of support from a coach or a therapist, depending on your needs. Um, mm. Sometimes we do need someone to work with. I had someone message me the other day saying, what's the difference between working with you and just having the books? And I was like, well, some people are have the books and they do really well with the books. But it depends if you are somebody who needs someone to talk through things with, mm -hmm. if you would like to have guidance, if you would like to have someone say, that's fine, you're totally normal, don't worry about it. Um, mm -hmm. The amount of times, pardon Maria? Oh, sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, I would say as well, like there's a lot in those books. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. And I think working with a coach enables you to have like a tailored approach because some people need some principles more than others I think yeah. everyone needs all of them but like I know for me like I said earlier it's about the fullness that's yeah. the big one yeah. and I read an interesting quote by a woman is it Janine Roth one of it was something I read that she'd said which was about overeating and it's like you know if you you either you know, you stop when you know that you're full and therefore deprive yourself of more food or you continue to eat and deprive yourself of feeling comfortable afterwards mm. or something like that. Yeah. Has, that makes so much sense to me, yeah. you know? And it's all about, no, like, you're going to hear this subject spoken about often. So and many different ways. In, exactly, and it's in the different ways. Um, often I refer to fullness, both of you will know this, um, I'll say like what will happen with that food if you don't eat it and the client will say it will go in the bin and I'm like well so you're treating yourself as a bin, your body is a bin yeah. and suddenly then you can't unsee that, you can't yeah. not think about yeah. it because you're just like and now I'm the bin. <laughs> and I'm like I'm sorry every time I share it with someone I'm like I'm really sorry because you are going to think of yourself as a bin the moment you're kind of past that fullness but it's it's a useful way of looking at it mm. um but like Maria said as well in terms of the books they are so dense information dense yeah that um previously 
now I use them from now onwards I'm using them with all clients previously I didn't use them with all clients because it can be very overwhelming Mm -hmm. it can be a lot Um, and so often I've trialed it with a few different clients Maria you were one of them that I tried trialed it with it's not written in the easiest to understand language is it Maria (laughs) it's it's yeah right but it's dense and it's very dense and I there's just a lot and I think it's really good to have them because they're there as like your backup yeah you know you've got them if you've got you're thinking about something and they're good as a like a reference but I I it would I would imagine it I mean again for me personally it would have been extremely I wouldn't have done it yeah I needed the cheerleader you know and then it's kind of it it depends on each person some some people are definitely kind of lone wolves in terms of trying something new they don't want to speak to other people about it they just want to work through it um I've got someone that I'm going to be working with at the end of September who's worked through it they've worked through the workbook they've worked through the textbook and they're like right I've done that bit now I want to work with you because now I know what I didn't know before yeah there's usually a point where at the very least you kind of want to speak about it with someone else because you're like I have I know all of this stuff now and this is this is huge I want to talk to someone else about it and see if they've experienced similar things to me um Fran how did you find working with a coach compared to kind of doing it on your own um yeah I'd I'd had various books and worked through a lot of stuff and then I kept coming across loads of blocks where I was just like nope I'm not doing that like the eat whatever you want and other things and I was like well obviously that's not happening and then loads of stuff came up with my allergies and things because I'd linked a lot of my food rules Mm. and excused it because of allergies and I had a lot of anxiety around them um which then you were able to tailor everything around that because then when I was like and and I get freaked out if I like in front of people or in a new restaurant then well ring in advance and if he's not confident take your own food if they can't guarantee it's going to be enough for you then don't eat there and you're just like yeah that's that's what you should be doing I'm like oh yeah it is (laughs) so it's just like reassurance started this call before I let Maria and Fran in saying um giving a trigger warning because it can just be such a massive trigger for a lot of anxiety. Keep yourself safe. Keep, be kind to yourselves as well, because a lot's going to come up hearing like this conversation and the things that have been shared here, because that's what, unfortunately, food is really emotive. Dieting is really, really emotive. And um, it causes a lot of opinions to come up and they may not even be Mm. our opinions. Um, They could be diet culture opinions. They could be the opinions of parents or friends family or whoever it is thank you so much both of you (laughs) no it's been really nice yeah nice refresher refresher yeah Oh, how lovely was that? Thank you again, Maria and Fran. I just can't thank you enough because I know the things that you have shared in that episode um, are going to have quite a few lovely souls go, oh my goodness, it's not just me. 
I'm not alone in feeling that way or thinking that way. Um, and gosh, that is worth so much, isn't it? For those who are interested in intuitive eating coaching, um, I will be opening up one-to-one -one client spaces in the new year and very excitedly, I will also be opening the doors to the one-to-one -one group program for intuitive eating at Nourishing Soulfully 2. So keep your eyes peeled, make sure you are on the newsletter list or following me on Instagram for more information um, and that information will be coming to you very soon, I am sure. Thank you again, Maria and Fran. And as a little reminder, because you are a Soulful Nourisher now, you've listened to an episode. As Soulful Nourishers, we know that resting is an investment in ourselves, our well-being, our energetic capacity. We know that play is not just for children, it enables souls of all ages to connect to creativity and joy. As Soulful Nourishers, we know that food is love and joy. It fuels, connects and creates. It is culture, tradition and nourishment. We know that breaks give our minds time to refocus. And we know that relaxing is the act which creates energy. It is not a waste of time. Above all, as Soulful Nourishers, we know that we are doing the best we can with the resources, time, energy, knowledge, wisdom, experience and capacity that we have to hand, always. Be gentle, be kind. You're doing the best you can, always. With lots of love, Peter and the cats.